Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. Good morning. I pray you're having a great day. And uh, I'm really excited uh, to finish up our series here in the Gospel of John today as we uh, dive into John 21. Let me say this to you. I did a message earlier this week on racism and reconciliation. And uh, if you have not watched that, I would encourage you to go to our website uh, and access that on our messages. Uh, I think it would bring uh, encouragement as well as you'll get to hear uh, the heart of who we are here at the Cross Loganville uh, in regards to really being about restoration and reconciliation uh, here in our culture as well as in our country. That's what we're about. So I would encourage you. Uh, to watch that. In light of everything that's been happening, not only over the last days and weeks, but really as we look back over history, I want to share this with you. Life for all of us is filled with challenges. And these challenges are constant in our journey. The trouble with life is that it happens every day. And the question is, is not, will you have challenges? But the question is, how will you deal with these challenges when they come your way? One of the hardest things that I've experienced in life, and one of the things that's probably brought as much heartache as anything in life, is seeing people that you've invested in and people that you've poured your life in start to drift and get off mission and kind of let you down. And I've thought about this for years. It's like people are people. And because we deal with people every day in ministry, and I am a people, all of us at the core of who we are, we're flawed. Sin disrupted humanity at every level. And it is so hard as we deal with our own foolishness as well as the foolishness of others. The truth is, every one of us has jacked it up royally. And I I know that I've said this, and I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've been there at times where you're like, ah, I didn't think that my life would turn out like this. And and all of us, we, we get off the trail, and we start to do our own thing, and all of a sudden we ponder, and I, I didn't think it was going to turn out like this. And discouragement and disappointment starts to settle in, and it can cripple your life and cause defeat. For many of you, even as you watch this morning, you're struggling with thoughts of worth, and you're struggling with these thoughts of significance, and you've got these feelings deep down inside that you're unloved and you're unwanted, and you feel like a failure, and you feel like a loser. And I think for so many people, we get there, and the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, will try to do everything he can to distract you from what really matters. And as you start to study Scripture, some of God's most anointed people, they got distracted, and they got off mission, and they kind of lost their way, if you will. One of my favorite guys in the entire New Testament, is Peter. And in John 21, Peter gets off mission. He began to drift. And I want to unpackage, if you will, some of Peter's life today. Now, it's very interesting. 
John chapter 18, verse 18. The scripture says, because it was cold, the servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. These were the people coming against Jesus. These were the people arresting Jesus. These were uh, the people that were a part of the bigger regime that was going to crucify Jesus. And the scripture says, as they made this charcoal fire, Peter was sitting among them. Luke chapter 22 kind of captures this whole scenario, uh, I think, in a beautiful way. And, and it says that while Peter is sitting there, a servant girl, seeing Peter, said to him, this man was with Jesus. Peter denies it. And he's like, I don't even know him. A little later, another person saw him and said, you're one of them too. But Peter denied it. And he said, man, I am not one of them. I am not associated with that Jesus guy. And after about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. Verse 60, but Peter denied it. Man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And as soon as he says that, the scripture says, immediately while Peter was denying Christ and speaking, a rooster crowed. Oh, this is the same guy that we read about in scripture that declares to Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll, I'll, I'm with you no matter what, no matter where you go, no matter what you go through, I'm with you. And now he denies Jesus three times. Let that settle in. Verse 61 of Luke says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. The Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. The Lord had told Peter, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter, he remembered this, and the scripture says, he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter remembered, and Peter wept. He has denied his Lord. He has denounced his Lord. Now, here was one of the most fascinating things for me, again, as I think through this scenario. What was the face of Jesus when he turned and looked at Peter? What was Jesus' face when he turned and looked at Peter? And for so many, I believe your view of God, you will answer it in this way, it was one of frustration. He was mad and he was irritated because ever how you see Jesus's face here is going to determine a lot of your theology and your God view. But I believe that when Jesus looked at Peter, it was a face of love and it was a face of compassion. It was a face of grace and it was a face of tenderness I believe it was a face that said, Peter, I believe in you, but Peter, you need to believe in you. You need to believe that I believe in you. Peter, I love you. Jesus turns and looks at Peter. And I will say this to you. It is so easy for every one of us to lose focus and to get off mission. It is so easy 
to drift away from where we need to be in our walk with the Lord. It's easy. The world is constantly pulling us, and there's so many voices screaming at us. If you read the Scripture, a few days later, even after this, Jesus is crucified. The tomb is empty. The disciples are hiding, and then Jesus reveals himself. Then, if you read Luke 24, 12, it says, Peter went home pondering all that had happened. And where was his home? His home was Capernaum. It was on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. And the scripture says Peter went home. And I would encourage you to study this or even focus on this on a map because Jerusalem all the way back up to Capernaum was probably about 60 miles. And so it probably took these guys four or five days of walking to get back there. And the scripture says Peter went back home. Now, Peter's home. We're going to pick it up in John 21, verse 1. Verse 1 says, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together with Peter. Peter said, guys, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will come with you. They got into the boat, and that night they went out and they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, the sun was starting to come up, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Jesus said, uh, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a great catch. So they cast out, and then they were not able to haul in all of the fish because of the great number that was in this net. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that, it is the Lord. He put on his robe, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. They were about 100 yards from the shore. And when they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire. They saw a charcoal fire already laid with fish placed on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153 fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and let's have breakfast. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Stop. The word is agape here that Jesus is using. Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me more than these? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, phileo. I'll break this down in a second. Jesus said, then tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, yes. You know I phileo you. He said, then shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you even phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know all things, Lord, that I really do phileo you. Jesus said, tend 
my sheep. Now, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Here is a premise statement as we study and ponder and break down John chapter 21. The premise statement is, if you love Jesus, you will love what he loves. And if you love Jesus, you will care about what he cares about. I promise you, Jesus is giving Peter an opportunity in this space right here. It's powerful. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And again, Jesus used the word agape. Peter said phileo. And eventually Jesus says, Peter, do you even phileo? Now, agape love, when you study it, is the highest form of love. It's not an emotional response. It's an act of the will. Agape love is a commitment to love regardless of whatever is going on. It is a choice that I make to take care for you and for my family and for other people's needs. It's a, it's a choice I make. It is the word that is most often used of God's love for us when we study Scripture. Now, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter replies, phileo. Phileo is the word for brotherly love. It's where even the city of Philadelphia comes from. They call that city uh, the city of brotherly love. But it comes from this word, Philadelphia. It comes from phileo. I believe that Jesus in this conversation is looking at Peter, and he's asking him really this question. What is your commitment to me, Peter? Peter, when you look inside your heart, when you think about where you're at right now, as you think about where you've been, what is your commitment to me? Now, as you ponder this, I would say that to be fair to Peter, they had been together for three years. They were tight. But after denying him three times, I believe Peter is like, hmm, my pride is shot and I know that I can't tell you I agape you based on my track record over these last days and weeks. But three different times, Jesus says, Peter, if you love me, you will care about what I care about. And Peter, I'll know you love me because you will feed my lambs and you will take care of my sheep. Now, Jesus is talking about people, and he's talking about uh, the need for people to be spiritually fed. He's talking about giving up ourselves for the needs and well-being of people. And when Jesus came, as you study his life, he was passionate about one thing. Jesus was passionate about people. Jesus loved, Jesus agape people. So he says to Peter, I will know that you love me when you care about what I care about. When, when you really start to love on people, Peter, I, I, I'll know you love me. Then, then, then I will know, Peter, that you're willing to stay on mission. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, the greatest thing we can do, even in the midst of all the chaos that we're surrounded with, 
It's been crazy over the last weeks. And so whether it was the introduction of COVID-19 and the isolation and the quarantine, or whether it's the, the situation that again happened in Minneapolis, the situation that happened down in Southeast Georgia, all of this chaos that we're seeing, God is calling us to love people. When you go back and study the life of Jesus, Jesus did not spend most of his time with religious people. The truth is, Jesus had some pretty harsh words about their hypocrisy and how their rules were oppressing people. And religion is mean to people with all of the demands and all the laws. When you look at Jesus' interaction, even in the Gospels, with the religious people, it was usually some pretty harshness that came out of his heart. Jesus spent most of his time with those who were jacked up. I mean, when you start to read it, it's the poor, it's the oppressed, it, are, it is those people that were at a disadvantage. And if we're going to care about people, we must ask, who do I know that has needs? Whose life is miserable? Who lives without hope? Who's helpless right now that I know? If we're going to model the gospel and love our neighbor, we've got to be looking around. We've got to be willing to get interrupted and see what's happening. Because if we love the Lord, we will care about what he cares about. So as you ponder this, you, you've got to ask the question, so why was Jesus so firm or hard on Peter. I mean, he asked him three times the same thing. Look at verse 1. Peter says to the other disciples, and there was about six or seven other guys hanging out with Peter. But if you look at verse 1, Peter basically says, guys, let's go back to what we know how to do. Hey, hey, hey guys, let's go back to what we were doing when he called us. Let's go back to what we're familiar with. Let's go fishing. We know how to fish. Here's the interesting thing for me. When Peter goes off mission, he takes other guys with him. He's a ringleader. He knows how to assimilate, motivate, agitate, stimulate, whatever. And, and he takes other people with him. Now, personally, again, I'm trying to feel for where these guys are at. They're probably 19, 20, 21-year-old guys. And as I look at it, I'm like, I, I'm not really sure I blamed them because this is not turning out the way they thought it would. The last three years, they walked with Jesus, and Jesus was the superstar. I mean, he's got tricks and treats, and he's feeding 5,000 with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread, and he's turning water into wine, and he's spitting on dirt and rubbing it in people's eyes, and they're seeing. And Jesus is the superstar, but these guys, they were also in the spotlight because they were with Jesus, and they saw some amazing things. But their expectation was more that Jesus, uh, he's not going to die on this cross like a criminal. They thought he was going to birth a new spiritual kingdom and overthrow the Roman Empire. And Jesus is going to bring about social and political and spiritual change. And Jesus is going to restore Israel back to its glory. They're like, yes, that's what he's going to do. And Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David. And guess who will be in the White House with the new president? I mean, we are his boys. We're going to reign and rule. But Jesus disrupts their plan. He tells them, 
That thinking is all jacked up, fellas. No, I am going to the cross. I'm going to die a criminal's death, but you guys are going to suffer. Yes, you're going to suffer, and you're going to suffer a lot. You'd probably think, ah, I didn't think it was going to turn out this way. I mean, I like the sizzle, but I'm not a fan of all this suffering. And how about if we go back to the life that we used to have, uh, guys? What about if we go back to what we were doing before? That's something we know. That's something we can control. And I'm like, no wonder they got distracted. I mean, here Jesus is calling these guys. They're walking with a superstar. They're walking with the most famous rabbi to ever live. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, guys, I mean, you can see a lot of great things, but you've got to be willing to suffer for my name's sake. And I'm like, that's us. When life does not go our way, we're all tempted to get off mission. All of us are. When Peter brought up the idea, let's go. Oh, we're with you. They got in the boat, fished all night, caught nothing. Caught nothing. And picture this. These guys, they went out. They're working hard. They're hauling in a heavy water-soaked net. And every time they would draw in the net, it was empty. And think of their frustration over and over and over. Oh, our hearts have been broken. Our master has been crucified. Oh, he appeared to us as we were locked in this room, scared of the Jews. But here we, we're back home. We're back up in Capernaum. We're at Tiberias, and we're out here fishing, and uh, nothing. Oh, we're catching nothing. And let me share this with you. If you get off mission, it will be because— you think there's something else out there that is better. And you will fish all night, but you will catch nothing. If you ever get off mission, it's going to be because we think something else out there is better. But you'll catch nothing, nothing but hell and pain and misery and regrets. It's going to happen. And some of you are off mission right now. Right now, if you look at your life, and you just sit there and just kind of ponder where you're at. You go, man, I'm so far off mission. God has not answered you the way you wanted him to. And your disappointment with God has caused you to become so disillusioned. And you decided that you would revert back to the old you. And it's not working out. You are now worse off than you were before. You know better, but the enemy convinced you and you bought the lie. Now, back to the text. The sun starts to rise, and a man appears on the beach. They don't know it's Jesus, but he yells out, hey, how's the fishing? And uh, they reply, it, it stinks. We fished all night, and we've caught nothing. Now stop, frustrated, emptied, exhausted, stayed up all night. Now you got this guy on the beach trying to tell them to do something different. Throw your net on the other side. And they're probably thinking, who does he think he is? But you know what happened? They tried it. They put the nets back in. 
and now they're full of fish. And John then tells Peter, Peter, it's Jesus. It's the Lord. And he puts on his robe, and he climbs overboard, and he wades through the shallow water, and he's sloshing his way through to get back to Jesus. And you've got to ask the question, why would Peter jump out of the boat and why would Jesus run to meet, or why would Peter run to meet Jesus? This is not the first time. Stop. It's not the first time this has happened to Peter. It's not the first time this has happened to him. James and John were with him years ago. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is ministering to the crowd. Remember in Luke 4, Jesus uh, is tempted and, and the enemy's coming against him. Luke 5 is like early. Jesus has just launched his public ministry. And now Jesus is ministering to the crowds at the sea. The crowd is pressing in, and Jesus is standing in the shallow water. And Jesus sees some fishermen over here mending nets who had been fishing all night. And he looks at them, and he says, hey, guys, could you put me in your boat and just row me out a little bit further so that I can finish this teaching? And they're like, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll do it for you. We'll, we'll, we'll help you out. And once he finished his teaching, he turned to the fishermen and he said, hey, guys, how's the fishing? And they replied, it stinks. This is a redundant phrase, right? It stinks. We fished all night and we caught nothing. He said, go out a little further and cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Oh, it's like three years later. They've heard this message before. But back to Luke 5, when they did it. The net was so full of fish that it began to break. At that moment, Simon Peter, Luke 5, this is the introduction to Jesus they have. Simon Peter is so amazed at what's happening that he falls on his knees before Jesus, and he's like, oh, Lord, please leave. I, I'm such a sinful man. And Peter is so awestruck by Jesus' teaching and he's awestruck by the fact that even the fish obey Jesus, that he starts crying out and he repents. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm such a sinner. I'm so, so pitiful. And Jesus does what Jesus does. This is Peter's conversion, guys. Luke 5. Jesus does what Jesus does to the heartfelt cry of a sinner. He extends mercy. He says, Peter, get up and follow me. And the scripture says, Simon, Peter's partners, James and John, they were also amazed. They were with Peter. And Jesus replied, Simon, don't, don't miss this. Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. For now on, you'll be fishing for for people. And as soon as they landed, the scripture says, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything. Immediately the fishermen left their nets. This is Peter, James, and John, and they followed Jesus and they got into the people business. They started fishing for people. Now, this is so crucial. They started to care about in Luke 5 what Jesus cares about. People, people made in the image of God. So you're sitting there and you're like, so 
Why did Peter jump out? Because Jesus took Peter back to the moment of his calling. It was like Jesus was saying to Peter, do you remember that moment when I became so real to you? You remember that moment, Peter, that you gave up your fishing business for me? <sighs> Breathe. If you are discouraged with life right now because it's not turning out the way you thought it would, let me encourage you with something. Go back to the moment of your calling Allow your heart to remember that day. Remember that day when you met the Lord and you experienced the goodness of the Lord and the forgiveness of the Lord was showered down on you. Remember when Jesus was so worthy of your affection. Remember when you first repented and the burden of your sin just started rolling away and you're like, oh, Oh, I'm loved. Oh, I'm accepted. Oh, I'm forgiven. Remember when you came to the cross? Remember when he forgave you and set you free? Remember when you said, I will give it all to you, Lord? Remember when you said, I will do whatever you ask me to do? Have you gotten off mission? Seriously. And then you have to ask the question, what's changed? Has Jesus changed? No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Have the needs of hurting people changed? No, there's still a lot of hurting people around me. Or have I changed? And I promise you, if you can go back and remember the day of your calling, the day that the Lord became real, and when you study this right here, this text is all about a very intentional moment that Jesus gave to Peter. Read it. Jesus put the fish in the net that early morning when he said, cast it on the other side. You go, that's a miracle. You know what also is a miracle? He also kept the fish out of the net all night long because he wanted to remind Peter of his calling. What is the call that God has put on your life? What did God call you to do when he aroused inside of you and awakened your soul that was dead? What, what did he say? You, you read it. Peter runs to the shore. He runs, and when they get there, there is the charcoal fire. Charcoal fire, and the word charcoal only appears uh, two times in the New Testament. John 18, as I read before, when Peter was warming himself and denying Christ, and again here in John 21. And you know how certain aromas will bring back memories. As Peter ran to the shore, the aroma... The smell of this charcoal fire, I believe, was an immediate reminder to him of where he had gotten off mission and betrayed the Lord. And I personally believe, as I study this, I believe Jesus is saying, Peter, I know that you failed, but Peter, I 
really want to use you. And the good news for you and the good news for me is that Jesus can use failures. Failures that get brought back to that moment of calling and remember God's anointing in God's hand. God can use failures. God can redeem us even after we've drifted away. He goes, come, come, come back. Come to me if you're tired and weary. And the truth is, if God only used perfect people, none of us would have a chance. And none of us would have a chance. And at this charcoal fire, when you study it, he calls Peter back. Peter, I need for you to know whether you love me or not. Jesus is basically saying, does Peter know that Peter loves me? Oh, I love the fact that God is a God of second, third, a hundredth chances. Peter, do you love me? Now, as I was reading through the text, you, can, you, 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 you will know this if you study it. You know that a fisherman shared this story with the guys because they counted all the fish. The Bible says there were 153 large fish. I've got a couple of buddies in our church here, Kenny Flowers and Alan Opdyke. And uh, I promise you, if you went to them and said, hey, hey, did y'all catch any fish? They'll tell you how many, how big, what bait they used. And they may even exaggerate the story a little bit if you let them. And uh, I, I, I'm telling you right now, 153 large fish, miraculous. And when the disciples get to the shore, Jesus is cooking fish. Don't miss this. We've heard of the Last Supper, but this is the last breakfast. And I think Jesus is making the point. You thought that you could go off mission. You thought you could do your own thing to meet your needs. Guys, I am your provider. I will be your provider. I am enough. And as you study Scripture, we believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, because of our faith in Christ, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can ask or think. Our Savior is our Jehovah Jireh, the one that provides. Let me encourage you, the next time that you get tempted to go off mission, the next time you think about compromising your integrity, the next time you think about cheating your neighbor, just remember that you'll always come up with an empty net. We can't cheat. We can't trivialize and minimize sin. God will be your provider. God is my provider. Even in the midst of all this chaos, I can say, God, you are my Savior, Lord, Master, but you're my provider. Jesus looks at Peter profound statement here. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Jesus is not saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than John? Or do you love me more than Nathaniel? I believe Jesus is saying, Peter, look, look at these 150 slimy fish. Peter, do you love me more than fish? Do you love me more than fish? And I would ask you, 
What fish takes you off mission? What are the things that you've empowered, the things that you've indulged your flesh in over the years that can take you off mission? If we're not careful, our love for fish, whatever your fish is, can cause you to lose focus and affection for the Savior. What causes you, what tempts you to get off mission? And I'm telling you right now, if we're not careful, when we start to focus on these inferior things, our heart for those around us that are hopeless, for those that are hurting, for those that are downcast, for those that are distraught, I'm telling you right now, we don't even see it when we're pursuing fish. Here's the way I want to close it with you today. I love the fact that Jesus took Peter back to his initial call. And I believe for some of you watching today, once upon a time when you initially repented of your sin, once upon a time when you cried out to Jesus, save me and have mercy on me, he became your chief affection. But over weeks and over months and over years, you've drifted. You've allowed fish. You've allowed your job. You've allowed your hobbies. You've allowed pleasure. You've allowed whatever your fish is, and you've gone back to your fish. Something happened where you got disappointed with God. Something happened where he didn't come through the way you wanted him to come through. And so your heart became broken and almost bitter. And Jesus Christ is calling out to you today, come home. He will take you back. Remember when I saved you. I never want to forget that glorious encounter of October of 1985 when I wept my eyes out and I cried like a baby saying, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Please save me. I knew nothing of the Scripture. I didn't know where the books of the Bible were. I couldn't quote any Bible verses, but I can tell you one thing. I knew in my heart that I had been forgiven and set free, and the call that God put on my life was go love on people. Tim, if you love me, you'll care about what I care about. And Tim, if you love me, you're going to love what I love. I love people. Tim, go share with people the good news of the gospel. I would ask you to step into that today. Step into that. God, I got to have you. I want you to champion every area of my life. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to say thank you. And Lord, as we walk this out, Lord, you agape us. Lord, you unconditionally love us. Father, I pray that you would penetrate our hearts in such a way that you would work in our hearts in such a way that we would not just say we find Leo, that we could get to a place to say, Lord, I do agape you. I agape people around me. Lord, I want to be broken bread. I want to be spilled out wine. I want to be about reaching people with the gospel. And so, Father, for every person under my voice today, I pray for a Holy Ghost awakening and a deep transformation to take place that we 
would love you and we would love what you love, that we would be in the people business and that we would be agents of reconciliation for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, if you would like to talk to someone about a next step, hey, I need some help today. You can contact Dustin at thecrossloganville.org. The email is on the screen for you. I would encourage you to reach out. We want to help you in your journey with the Lord. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.